For those who do not know me, my name is Emmanuel Bakey, a curate. A preacher told a story of an engaged couple who wanted to get married, but there was a problem. The wife-to-be had accumulated over many years a huge debt, and they just didn't see any possibility of getting married. So when they met this preacher, he said to them, definitely there is a fairly simple solution to their predicament. And of course, the fiancé was so excited that he asked how. He was told that if he tells her that it's no longer her debt and that he will take it, the problem will be solved. Naturally, he thought for a minute and then asked for some hours to consider this proposition. Then he came back and he said he really wants to marry her and he will take the burden of her. As you can imagine, tears of joy began to run down her eyes as she just felt the weight fall off. She had a load but she had a love. And when the love was willing to take the load, she had rest. Let us pray. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Jesus has come to call sinners to repentance. Believe and follow him. Is this, is this clicker working at all? First slide, please, if you have it, Gary. Thank you. So, Jesus calls an outcast. At the beginning of the fifth chapter of Luke, Jesus called poor fishermen to be his disciples. In verse 27, he even goes further. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Where Levi or Matthew belonged to one of the most reviled professions in ancient Israel. In those days, tax collectors had the worst reputation. They were despised by society and regarded as traitors who worked for an occupying foreign enemy. They overbilled their compatriots so that the extra money went into their pockets. But Levi's life was about to change. Please note two things that happened when he encountered Jesus. First, 
he followed Jesus immediately. No negotiation, no hesitation. He got up, left everything, and followed him. Slide two, please. Judging by his occupation, one would have thought that Levi was less inclined to religion. But this changed when Jesus called him. He left the source of his riches, his comfort zone, and followed Jesus. Two, he was transformed to a disciple. Apart from walking from the old life, Levi hosted a feast so that other tax collectors and sinners can get to meet Jesus, the friend of sinners. At this point, the Pharisees and teachers of the law complained that Jesus ate at Levi's home. Pharisees belong to an ancient Jewish sect known for strict observance of the traditional and written law. It was their practice to separate themselves from impurity prescribed by the law. Why did they complain? Generally, the Jews saw table fellowship as an intimate affair enjoyed by those who are friends. They kept the distance from sinners. It was all that that Jesus in the eyes of Pharisees, of the Pharisees, seemed to be violating when he accepted the invitation to dine with Levi. The Pharisees looked at it this way. Jesus was clearly a holy man, a teacher of the law like them. But if he ate with tax collectors and sinners, his holiness will be spoiled and his understanding of the law will be proved faulty. They wanted him to be like that, like the priest and the Levite in the Good Samaritan story, who walked by on the other side of the road rather than defiling themselves by contact with a dying man. But Jesus will have none of it. He completely reverses their logic. Verse 32. Next slide, please. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This verse is his mission statement. What can be more refreshing than this? He leaves heaven and comes down to earth for the sole purpose of searching out sinners, and that includes you and me. We have all gone astray following our natural instincts and indulging the flesh. Yet Jesus stoops down and invites us to follow him. To the wayward, he is the way to the Father. To those who have lived in darkness all their life, 
He is the light. To those who have believed the devil's lies, he is the truth. Those enslaved and held in bondage to sin have their chains broken and they are set free by the wonder of his grace. Determined to save sinners, Jesus goes to the home of the sick. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The next slide, please. He is the doctor who visits sinful people because he is their spiritual healer. His holiness isn't contaminated by their uncleanness, but being powerful, his holiness burns up their sin and cleanses them. He is the most holy God that makes things holy. The Pharisees didn't understand his actions because they didn't understand who he is. They were still reading the world through the lens of the old covenant, but something new has come. Only the sick go to the doctor. Allow me to illustrate this point. In my experience working in West Africa, I encountered many unhealthy people who failed to seek medical intervention due to ignorance. Sisters and brothers, lack of insight, spiritual insight, can be very harmful. The Pharisees and teachers did not realize they were sick with sin, for which only Jesus could make them healthy. Switching analogies further on, Jesus claims that the divine bridegroom has come. Jesus points to the intimate relationship between him and sinners for whom he has come. As our Redeemer, he will eventually enter into our suffering, die to rescue us and reconcile us to God. He does not avoid us, but rather he comes into the world in human flesh to identify with us in our fallenness. He must feast with them because they are the guests he is invited to his joyous celebration. I'm sure you know the theme of the bridegroom is, is one that has an end time implication as well when he comes back. When the big party, the big banquet will be celebrated. And because Jesus at that time was physically present with them, it was not time it was not the time for fasting, but the time, he says, will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. In those days, they will fast. We are now in the era when we are expected to fast and pray, I'm afraid, because he has been taken away from us. Why do we have to fast? We fast for the fulfillment so that we can see the fulfillment of God's mission in the world. We fast and pray to, in our fight against the opposition of the devil. We fast and pray 
so that we can be strengthened in our inner man as we face temptations all around us. Jesus is the new covenant. To look at him through the lens of the old covenant is like putting new wine, still fermenting and bubbling into crusty old wine skins, which can't handle it. Of course, they bust, and the gift is lost. Christ grants peace, trust, and forgiveness. All sinners need God's peace and forgiveness. Jesus isn't choosing the company of sinners and neglecting the self-righteous Pharisees, but rather, he calls all men to admit that they are sinners so they can recognize their need for the physician's healing. May I ask you this question? Who do you identify with? Tax collectors or Pharisees? The truth is that all have sinned and are separated from God. If you don't believe that you're a sinner, then you cannot possibly believe in those words. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Next slide, please. He is on a rescue mission. He will eventually pay the ultimate price in his death and give us victory in his resurrection. This is the good news for everyone. Repentance isn't a way to make yourself pure enough to receive Christ, but it is rather the way in which Christ is received repentantly. You aren't called today because you're good enough. Neither are you here because you have been able to set aside completely your lust, greed, pride, shame. I must say you're here because you want to turn away from these things, to lay your burden on Christ, who is the bridegroom. Just like in that story, the fiancé decided to take on the burden of death. You're here because you want the holiness of Jesus to consume the blackness of your own holy thoughts and acts and to give you a clean conscience. You come to be healed, you to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven for how you have been unfaithful and have not been resting in God's love. Today you can experience the full joys of Jesus' fellowship as we make ourselves vulnerable in him, to him. It's not just about a medicine to fight a disease. It's about new wine of the Spirit to be drunk by his disciples. And that includes you and you and you. This is the wine we all thirst for and which satisfies our deepest need 
to be in union with God. To end, I want to encourage you as well as challenge you to think about three things. One, Levi left everything and followed him. Is your commitment to Jesus total or partial? Have you fully embraced Jesus as your savior? Jesus gives us all life, his life, forgiveness, peace. What is holding you back? For some, commitment may not be about quitting your job like we saw Levi do, but it may be that you need to spend some time praying about what God may be asking of you. Two, this man invited his mates to dinner with Jesus Christ. He began to draw his friends to Jesus as he experienced the love of God. What are you doing? What am I doing to advance God's kingdom in our community, in our country, in our place of work, in the place where we take time to enjoy leisure activities? Three, the Pharisees give us a good example of what not to be. For those of us who have been in and around church for years, there is a great danger of staleness and becoming lukewarm believers. Do not say the old is better. Desire the new wine. Last slide, please. Desire the new wine as your inner man is transformed into a new wineskin. The Pharisees of the days of Christ, most of them, and the teachers missed their time of real transformation. We must not. This is a time to rededicate our lives to Jesus Christ and to his mission.